The Psalms are often described as the original prayer book of God's people. I have to confess that when I was a younger man, I didn't really give the Psalms the attention that they deserve. And that's because I've always felt a little bit awkward and clumsy around poetry. I much preferred the narratives of Genesis and Exodus, the fast-paced action of the Gospels and Acts, all of which have a way of sort of carrying you along with the story. But I've come to find now in this season of my life that the Psalms have a way of giving voice to prayers that I didn't even know I needed to pray. Now, prayer comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes. I think when most of us first think about prayer, we, we think about those prayers in which we ask God for things, when, prayers that we would call intercessory prayers. And our Lord Jesus certainly encouraged us to pray those sorts of prayers. They are important and they are holy. But in this earthly pilgrimage, which can oftentimes be, well, confusing and bewildering, Sometimes the sorts of prayers that we most need to pray are not those prayers that ask God for things, as important as those are, but instead what we need are the sorts of prayers that remind us of what's true, prayers that remind us of God's character, prayers that remind us of God's promises, prayers that remind us of God's loving purposes. We can become so focused on what we want God to do that we can totally forget what God is like. But friends, if we would only allow ourselves to be reminded of what God is like, it would transform our lives and how we live them. I wonder if you've ever had the experience of holding some little animal in your arms. Maybe it was a puppy dog or a little cat or a little bunny rabbit or some such thing. And you know that so long as you are holding that little animal in your arms, that it is completely and totally safe. That nothing short of an extinction-level event would so much as rustle the hair on its cute little head. But then somebody slams a door. Or a stranger walks into the room a little too suddenly. Or heck, somebody could just take a, a plastic bag and crumple it up with a little too much enthusiasm. And that little animal who just moments ago felt safe and cozy in your arms in the blink of an eye is transformed into a tornado of muscle and claw. It goes to scratching and skittering, scraping the arms, the skin on your arms and tumbling to the floor with a clumsy thud spraining its little paw in the process. And you think to yourself, if only I could get it through this little animal's brain that it's safe in my arms, then we could save ourselves a whole lot of pain, trouble, hydrogen peroxide, and Band-Aids. And yet, is this not a picture of us? Whenever this life spooks us or scares us or challenges us, we go to scratching and skittering, wounding the people around us, completely losing focus on God and His promises and His provision and His faithfulness. If only we could get it into our little brains that God Himself holds us in His everlasting arms. 
Friends, that's why sometimes the prayers that we need to pray are those sorts of prayers that remind us of what's true about God. The Psalms are a great gift in this regard. So many of the Psalms remind us of what's true about God. And by far and away, the the most beloved of these Psalms is, of course, the 23rd Psalm, which reminds us that our God is like a shepherd who loves us and knows us and provides for us. In fact, we have such an affection for the 23rd Psalm and its depiction of God as shepherd that we don't want to be bothered with any newfangled translations of it. I'd be willing to bet that those of you who have committed the 23rd Psalm to to heart have done so using the original King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, nobody talks like that. Maketh, leadeth. And yet, when you're scared or confused or mourning the loss of someone you love, what you want to hear are those familiar old words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sometimes the prayer we most need to pray is the prayer that reminds us of what God is really like. It's no coincidence that Jesus picks up on this very same image of the good shepherd and applies it to himself. Jesus is, after all, one with the Father. So that everything that King David wrote about God the Father in the Psalms is equally applicable to God the Son, Jesus our Lord. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus takes this image and he uses it to teach us about himself. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But then he also uses the image to warn us about false shepherds. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why, Jesus? Why this lesson on false shepherds? Now, part of what Jesus is doing is he's condemning the false religious teachers of his day, the Pharisees, who are actually driving people away from God. But friends, Jesus is also speaking a word to us. Because even though we have decided to follow after Jesus, sometimes we wander. Sometimes we panic. Sometimes we stray. And yes, sometimes we begin to follow after false shepherds without even realizing it. Think about the last time you did something hurtful to someone you love. Think about the last time you let yourself down. You you did something that you know is beneath God's calling on your life. Think about the last time you panicked, and in your panic, you made a mess of things. Now ask yourself, in that moment, what shepherd were you following? Not the good shepherd. 
So you see, Jesus wants us to understand what he's like, but he also wants us to be able to recognize when we have begun to follow after false shepherds who will gladly lead us astray. Let's begin with the good shepherd. What does Jesus say about himself? He, he says at least three things here in this passage. Number one, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Friends, Jesus knows your name. I may not know your name, but Jesus knows your name. Which is a way of saying he really knows you. Now, I don't want to get too philosophical here on a Sunday morning, but, but take a moment and just think about it. Who, who really knows you? I mean really. I'd be willing to bet that there's part of you that you keep tucked away hidden from even those who are closest to you. All of us have a little bit of Adam and Eve in us. All of us have some areas in our hearts and in our minds that we would just assume cover up with a fig leaf. Things about ourselves that we don't want anyone to know. So even those who are closest to us don't really, really know the whole us. Heck, I don't even know or understand myself. But Jesus does. He knows it all. He knows our little dark secrets. He knows our off-kilter desires. He knows our faith-melting fears. Friends, he knows everything about you. But none of that scares him away. No, in spite of it all, he chooses you. He says, I know you. I know all about you. And I want you in my flock. I choose you. Jesus knows you by name. Number two, Jesus goes before you. The sheep hear his voice and the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. Jesus goes before you. That is, he has a plan and a purpose for you. Sometimes this life can appear completely meaningless and haphazard. And you want to just throw up your hands and say, what in the world is this life all about? I'm beginning to think it's nothing more than a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. But Jesus says, no. Nothing could be further from the truth. I go before you to lead you into the purpose and plan that I have for you. And I want you to learn how to trust me. There is meaning and purpose in this life, which one day I promise you will understand. Reminds me of that sweet old hymn. We probably would think of it as, as a Baptist hymn, but it goes this way. Further along, we'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. So cheer up, my brothers. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand this all by and by. One day you will understand. The good shepherd knows you by name. The good shepherd goes before you, leading you in his purpose for you. And thirdly, the good shepherd came to give you life and life abundant. 
That is, Jesus has your best interest in mind. In fact, he will even lay down his life for you. You know, there are some things that although true, nobody wants to speak out loud. It reminds me of when you're at some, you know, a fancy dinner around the table and someone at the table has, has got a little spinach in there, stuck in their tooth, and, and you know it, everybody knows it, but nobody wants to say it. Well, I'll say something that's true that no one else wants to admit out loud. I don't love anyone selflessly, and neither do you. Now, we have our moments by God's grace. There are little slices of time where we're almost totally focused on someone else's good. Thanks be to God. But just give it a few minutes. And the old self will make its way back in, and that pure gold of selflessness will be transformed into some lesser alloy as our self-interest is mixed back in. Friends, there is only one who truly puts himself aside and loves you selflessly. There is only one who truly and purely has your best interest at heart. Only one. And it's the good shepherd. Any other shepherd you follow, even the most well-meaning of shepherds, cannot help but love you only partially. But Jesus... I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus knows you by name. He goes before you, leading you into his plan and purpose for you. And Jesus came to give you abundant life by putting himself aside and laying down his life for you. Now you would think that following after a shepherd like that would be a no-brainer. But what do we do? We get up in the morning, we exit our sheepfold, and there waiting for us on the doorstep are a whole host of false shepherds just waiting to take us by the hand. Now, it's true, there are false shepherds out there, but did you know that there are also false shepherds in here, false shepherds like our petty jealousies and tightly held resentments, false shepherds like our unholy affections and ambitions, false shepherds like our anxieties and fears, always and every day they sit there crouching at the doorway just waiting to snatch our attention as we come out of the sheepfold. And as Jesus explains, they have only one goal in mind. Steal, kill, destroy. They come to rob us of our confidence in the good shepherd. They come to murder our hope in his purpose and plan for us. They come to destroy our relationships with the Father and each other. Friends, we follow the voice of a stranger and we don't even realize we're doing it. I ask you again, can you name the shepherd you were following the last time you hurt someone you love? The last time you made a mess of things? The last time you panicked and lashed out? Whose voice were you following? Now let's be clear. The most important message that you need to hear this morning 
is that Jesus, the good shepherd, has chosen you and he will always take you back, always. No matter how far you have wandered, no matter what false shepherds you have followed, his love for you is unbreakable. But friends, he calls us to grow and to mature and to begin to recognize our own propensity to follow after those false shepherds, those thieves and robbers who stand at the doorstep of our hearts. I want to look at just one. Let's, let's look at fear. Friends, we are never at our best. We're, we're never the men and women that God created us to be when we are following the false shepherd of fear. And here's part of what makes this particular false shepherd fear so devious, destructive, and wily, especially for men. You know, if you're having a real heart-to-heart -heart with a man, I mean, just you and another man, just heart-to-heart, -heart, you can get a man to admit to his misplaced affections. He'll admit it, and he knows it's wrong. You can also get a man to admit that he's been so motivated by ambition or greed that he has completely neglected his family. You can even get a man to admit to petty schoolyard jealousy. But getting a man to admit that he's afraid? Well, as a friend and I like to say in cases like this, good luck with that. And this is why fear is such a dangerous and devious shepherd. Until a man begins to recognize that he's being shepherded by his fears, then there's nothing to stop that false shepherd from working in the shadows of his heart to steal, kill, and destroy everything in its wake. And to make matters worse, while we men may not want to admit that there are fears at work in here, shepherding us, driving us, while we may not admit to those fears, there's a whole host of persons out there who have a special knack for smelling that fear and using it to their own ends. Believe me when I tell you, unlike the good shepherd, such persons do not have your best interest at heart. It reminds me of the years that I spent as a classroom teacher. Let me tell you, when you are standing up in front of a room full of high school students, they have an uncanny knack for smelling out every fear, every anxiety, every insecurity you never knew you had. And they will use that knowledge to their advantage. They cannot help themselves. So if you as a teacher don't begin to get a handle on your fears, your insecurities, your anxieties, you will not last long in the classroom. Brothers, many of us this very day are being shepherded by a wily thief and robber called fear. And the world is full of persons, politicians, news outlets, social media influencers who have a special knack for smelling that fear and are all too happy to use it for their own ends. But there is another shepherd, a good shepherd, the good shepherd, 
who stands ready to send his Holy Spirit to show us if only we will have the courage to allow him those false shepherds we have been following so that we might, by the power of that same Spirit, name them and rebuke them and send them back to the hell from which they came. Those false shepherds of fear and spite and jealousy and lust and ambition, rebuke them. Send them back. Truly, truly, I say to you, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Friends, may the Holy Spirit of God reveal to us this day those false shepherds that stand at the doorway of our hearts, those false shepherds who come to steal and kill and destroy so that we might name them and rebuke them and follow instead the good shepherd of our souls who knows us by name, who leads us out in perfect purpose, who came to give his life that we might have life abundantly. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. May that prayer, that prayer about what's true about God, may that be our prayer this day. Amen.